0: Welcome back to Viewpoints, listeners. I'm your host, Henry Grosser. It gives me great pleasure today to welcome Kim Maslin, a cyber safety educator and author. Kim Maslin is a cyber safety educator, a digital native who has grown up with the internet and been around social media for the better part of her life. Uh, Welcome to Viewpoints, Kim. Hi Henry, how's it going? It's going really well. Now we know that you're uh, not only are you a digital native, you're a West Australian. Is that the correct term? Yeah, I'll
1: take that. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. No, born and born and bred in
0: Perth. Perth, yes. And uh, I think over here in the eastern states, uh, we, we we have this rivalry with the Eagles and the Dockers. In football's big over here in Melbourne, Kim. It's, I know it's big over in Perth, isn't it? Aussie rules.
1: It is. It is. I can't say I get too involved in that side of things, but um, yes.
0: It is. Anyway... We take it
1: very passionately.
0: Now, a digital native, now, we know what that is, sort of, but what about the people who don't know what a digital native actually means when you call yourself one of those? Just describe yourself as a digital native.
1: Yeah, so digital native refers to someone who has grown up in the era of the internet, social media technology um, so you know in essence we're a native to that world uh, as opposed to people that perhaps have have seen those technologies be introduced during their life um, rather than being born into it.
0: Now, one of the things that stands out for you, and I guess this is one that we're, we're getting on top of in education, you've got a passionate interest in the digital world and uh, in education we've been putting a lot of work into um, encouraging girls to be more interested in STEM, of which the, the digital world is a part. You're interested in that. Uh, where does that go back to?
1: Yeah, it's funny. I think um, it really goes all, all the way back um, to, to my parents. Um, my dad is a scientist and my mum is an IT manager. So they both uh, really understood technology and the importance of technology. Um, and neither of them saw me uh, being a girl as any roadblock <laughs> to being able to do anything. Um, and so they, um, well, my mum had me touch typing from age seven um, and helping her in the office with computers from about, you know, 10. So I think growing up in that sort of environment uh, certainly gave me just the general skills, you know, needed to use technology. But um, within that, I think that that love and passion as well um, has sort of grown from that. And um, I certainly found I always remember this one story, if I can share. from um, sure. I, think I, was in year, I think I was in year four, and because I could touch type, and my teacher, you know, wasn't a digital native, um, so she had me sitting in the back of the classroom. Typing up all her report comments for her.
0: Oh, it a what a clever teacher! You were exploited yeah. to your own yeah. advantage.
1: <laughs> and then I just save it on a floppy disk for her, so she could go and, you know, because it was back in those days. Um, and so, yeah, I sort of, I guess, I found people, you know, who haven't had the skills have often asked me for that help, you know, in, in the classroom right. and then beyond. And yeah, just, and I think that's where the love of teaching has come from as well.
0: Mm, because you've had a teaching, you've, you've, you've been involved in teaching, haven't you?
1: Yeah, I've taught um, high school and primary school, um, the technologies curriculum. Um, so, yeah, pre-primary all the way through to year 12, which has been interesting. <laughs> mm,
0: your observation of the teaching profession as somebody who obviously still has a link to it in other ways.
1: Well, yeah, so I, I, I still work uh, you know, closely with, with teachers um, and students, but, yeah, not, not in the classroom at the moment,
0: and how do you view the profession? Because uh, it's a profession that uh, people have mixed feelings about in some ways, although right now everybody loves the teachers. <laughs>
1: Definitely, as they should. <laughs> as they should. Um, yeah, oh, look, I think I just have the utmost respect for teachers and everything they do. Um, I, I, I worked in a school before getting my teaching degree in, in IT mm. support and I could see all the effort that they put into everything they do. And then being a teacher myself... Um, for five years, I've got to experience, as I'm sure you, Henry and Rob, know all too well, the, <laughs> the early mornings and the late nights and the weekends and those non-existent holidays. Um, <laughs> but no, I think um, I think teachers do an incredible job, and I think I think there are a lot of challenges in the education system. Um, you know, more so now perhaps than ever. Um, but I think the one thing that always strikes me so much um, is just the genuine enthusiasm. And passion that every teacher has really You're underlines right. everything they do is they just actually want to help those kids that's why they're there
0: yes it's, it's one of the things if you don't uh, have a liking for children you're not going to last too long uh, in in the teaching profession. And if you do, it won't be a very happy one for either you or the children. Now, you've moved into the field of cyber safety educator and your focus um, really started off uh, with parents. Of course, you've been quite on quite a journey. You might like to tell us a bit about the journey for Kim Maslin into cyber safety educator.
1: Sure. Well, I was working uh, in a school um, in the IT department, and from that, because w- we, we went through that phase of rolling out the one to one laptop, you know, back in about 08, 09, and I was seeing just the, you know, that genuine fear and concern that parents were having about these new devices and, you know, Facebook and everything was really taking off. And so I started up. Um, you know, in my own time, running cyber safety presentations and workshops for parents to um, help alleviate some of those fears um, and empower them to have the important discussions with their kids at home. And they they were great. They were really fun, and um, I really enjoyed doing them. But the thing that I, I I started to find, and the feedback I started to get from parents was, although they would, you know, they come to the workshop and they're really engaged and they're really taking on board all this new information, as soon as they walked out of the doors, life just inevitably gets, gets in the way um, and various, uh, you know, conversations mm-hmm. that they might need to have with kids or, you know, maybe some boundaries that need to be put in place at home weren't always happening, but there wasn't always that follow-through. And, and that's completely understandable because, you know, everyone is so busy with life, you know. It's hard to take an hour out of your day even to get to a workshop after work, after school. Um, and so it was from all of that. I thought, look, is there another way maybe that we can get this information both to the parent and to the kids? Because I think, well, including you know teachers as well, but I think as a family unit, everyone needs to be on the same page in understanding the risks. Mm. Um, and so you know, it was through all of that that I thought, well, maybe something like a children's book, because um, you know, so many parents sit down you know in the bedroom and read a book with their kids at night before bed. Uh, so I I wonder if, if we can slip. Some of these messages into an activity that they're already doing that might be an easier way of getting information through um, and hopefully being a being a, a book it's something they can then talk about afterwards and by providing some prompts at the end of the book you know some questions that might help guide parents discussions with kids without them having to come to a workshop first to be told all of that information
0: that's that's the teacher in you looking at different <laughs> ways to engage with your audience, uh, Kim. A little bit, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you've written two books, The Tweeting Galar and The Zooming Owl. We need to take a short break. When we come back, can we can we look at the the journey Kim Maslin's on moving into the area of authorship and how that's all worked? Can you hold the line? Of course. <laughs> Welcome back to Viewpoints, listeners. I'm Henry Grasek and I'm in a discussion with Kim Maslin, cyber safety educator and author. Welcome back, Kim. Thanks, Henry. Now, just before the break, we got to the point where your life has taken another little bit of a turn and that is into writing books. And there's two that you've written, the Tweeting Galar series and the Zooming Out. Tell us a bit about the Tweeting Galar. You told us before you thought this was a way of uh, better engaging parents. Uh, how did you settle on that title and tell us a bit more about it?
1: Yeah, well, the title itself quite quite... Um, Funny because we, um, my partner and I were actually driving um, in, in the southwest of WA down to Margaret River, and I was throwing, you know, we were throwing these ideas around um, for writing this children's book, and I forget how it came up, but I made just like a passing comment, or you know, Tom made a passing comment, like, yeah, you just need like <laughs> a catchy name, you know, like a, you know, like tweeting and Galah, and it was, you know, just like, oh yeah, like, lol. But then we're like, oh, but actually, like that's actually quite a good name. Um, obviously, just with the double meaning. Yes. Um, so, yeah, literally what just started as a bit of a joke, Just that actually just stuck as the title. Um, and that's then been a theme that I've sort of tried to carry through because um, we've got the tweeting galah and the surfing penguin and mm-hmm. the little possums who looked up and then the zooming out. And so for each title, I've always sort of tried to have like a text a technology term built into it, but then also mm. sort of more of the, you know, the animal terms as well. Um, and I sort of found as a, because I mean, I don't know about you, Henry, but I know a lot of people sort of, when they're kids, they say, you know, I'd love to be an author when I grow up. Or yes, yes,
0: yes. Or, everyone's know. got a book inside them.
1: That's right. So, I mean, I always thought, you know, I always loved writing, never thought I actually would, you know, get to do it. Um, and I've sort of found for myself that the, the writing process tends to start with Um, having the message that I I want to share first. So um, whether that's, you know, too much screen time, I want to educate on that. And then from that, I pick the animal and that that title, you know, Surfing Penguin or Tweeting Galar. And then once I've got that message and that sort of quirky title, I find that writing the story just starts to flow really easily.
0: And what did you, um, in writing the books you wanted to write them, what did you learn from yourself about uh, the process of writing, because it doesn't just happen spontaneously, does it?
1: No, I find I I tend to sit on these story ideas for, you know, months, you know, sometimes Mm. up to two years, you know, there's just the idea in my head. Um, But yes, certainly getting it down on paper in that first instance is, is the hardest bit. Um, and so that's, I mean, definitely the advice I would give to anyone of any age thinking about writing is to, to you just have to start, you, you have mm. to just get that first sentence on the page. And the, probably the, the biggest thing I learned um, through the process is just uh, acknowledging and accepting that the first draft of any uh, one of the short stories is always going to be rubbish. <laughs> 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 it's just, it's, you just know it's going to be rubbish, but and you're going to throw it out. it be your worst to to
0: get... version of whatever it is. If you're prepared to accept that, uh, it takes yeah. a big burden off your shoulders, doesn't it?
1: That's right. You just get it out and then you've got something to work with. You know? You've know, you got something to tweet
0: and improve. Now, now the tweeting galah, what are some of the messages that um, we find in that, that book?
1: Uh, so there's four, four key messages. Um, the, the first is around uh, posting online when you shouldn't. So um, the idea for kids that um, there are some things that should be posted, you know, online and other things that should be kept private. Mm -hmm. Um, We also touch on online predators. So the idea that not everyone is who they say they are online. We touch on, it's funny, this one's a funny one because I I initially wrote it as um, a story about cyber bullying um, because some, you know, some Hopping Australian hopping mice makes fun of a bilby, you know, (laughs) falls over in her PE class. But um, it was funny because upon reflection, I realised it was actually a bit more about um, online photo permissions and that lesson in asking a friend if it's okay to post something online before they put it up. Uh, And then the final message is all about screen time. And I think, for me, I think that's been the story that I've probably used the most myself as a teacher uh, it's all about a, a platypus spends, you
0: know, all night playing games on his iPad and then fall asleep at school. Fascinating, fascinating. Um, now, you started out, uh, as I recall from our conversation before we went on air, that y- your initial focus was with parents, but these books have become uh, very popular in schools with teachers and educators. Has that surprised you?
1: Yeah, it really did initially um, with the tweeting glow. I, I I honestly thought I was writing for for families, uh, but it became clear pretty quickly that it was it was more teachers who were jumping on the book and, and wanting to use it. And I think that was probably like in part due to the fact that back then, you know, three years ago, the the curriculum, the digital technologies curriculum, protective behaviours curriculum. ICT capability, you know, it was all either being introduced or, you know, very much had the spotlight on -hmm. it. And certainly back then at least, there there wasn't a heap of resources available for primary school teachers that were Australian curriculum aligned. And so I think, you know, perhaps that, you know, that was the reason that they, you know, started turning towards the tweeting galah. But certainly since then, um, with the other stories, I've very much had that in the back of my mind that teachers find these books useful so I've tried as, as much as I can to align the stories to what I know teachers are, are covering in the classroom.
0: Mm, no, Excellent now the zooming out that's another good play on words isn't it tell us about <laughs> that one.
1: Yeah that's funny that one oh my gosh that title actually took me a really long time I had a, had a <laughs> mouth for a while <laughs> <Thanks>. <laughs> um, so that came Obviously, just you know, in, with everything that's been happening in the last few months, I was helping uh, providing teachers with some support as they were transitioning into online learning, and, and naturally, I'm I'm sure it's been the same over East. You know, there's a, bit, a lot of um, you know a lot of confusion and and fear, you know, around using this new technology so suddenly, and so I thought, well, maybe you know, maybe there's a way that this series can provide some support. So I had the idea just to write a very quick little story that teachers could then be reading perhaps to their kids, you know, in that first lesson that they might be doing online uh, as a way of well, really just saying, look, technology issues are going to happen. Like, it's just inevitable. Like, we've, we've all had them. Um, and really just providing a bit of a framework to discuss what we can do if the technology goes wrong. Um, And and also thinking, um, trying to imagine some of my former classes if I was teaching them online, um, to also think about maybe some of the behaviours that we would also want the kids to display during that period.
0: Mm, true. Uh, time's getting away from us, Kim. Um, looking at uh, over the last couple of months, which has obviously hurled parents, uh, kids and teachers headlong into uh, a more intense focus on technology, what advice would you give to people from your observation of uh, what's happened technologically at home and in schools uh, since the uh, coronavirus pandemic uh, hit us? Yeah, I would say for parents, I
1: would say that the same, the same cyber safety risks exist today um, as much as they did six months ago. And while there is, uh, you know, obviously a greater need right now to be online, whether that's education or staying in touch with family, I think, you know, that's great. Technology has so many positive things that it can do uh, in the household. I think it's really important to remember that the, the same boundaries that you might have been implementing six months ago – you know, still needs to be in place mm. today, and 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 by that I, you know, specifically mean, uh, you know, not having the devices in the bedroom, you know, talking to, you know, grandparents and stuff, you know, in the family room, mm. and and keeping those um, rules about switching off that screen, you know, hour, two hours before bed, so that you know kids are still staying healthy, having that balanced time where they're still talking in real life in the household, still running around in the garden, because um, yeah. All those risks are still still present. Um, and then just the, the flip side for teachers, um, yeah, firstly, yes, it's been just an incredible learning curve for so many and, and completely overwhelming on top of just the general <laughs> overwhelming yes. nature of this whole crisis. And so probably the, the biggest advice I could give them is just to be reaching out to their existing support networks and not being afraid to ask, to help, I know. Like I know, um, like I know, Rob's there at the moment, Henry, and he's absolutely right, incredible, <laughs> incredible resources, and you know, if if each teacher can, you know, find that person, whether it's within their school or you know, in an online network, support network, um, there is so much help out there for them, um, and to not be afraid to give it a go. Absolutely,
0: but, you take, know, tech take issues
1: it. happen to the. To everyone.
0: <laughs> mm, take a, a sensible and calculated risk. Kim, if people wanted to access your resources, how would they do that?
1: Uh, yeah, so the Zooming Hour is freely available um, to teachers to download. Um, so if they wanted to, they can go to the Tweeting and Galal website. Um, all the books are available in like paperback printed form um, and also ebook form. So whatever's easiest. <laughs>
0: Excellent. Well, Kim, it's been a real pleasure chatting with you. Congratulations on the great contribution you're you're making towards uh, uh, supporting the education and the well-being of our children in this rapidly thrust upon us changing technological uh, time. Well, it
1: was great chatting, Henry. Thanks for having me on.
0: My pleasure. That was Kim Maslin, uh, uh, a digital native uh, who's giving a lot back to the field of education, listeners, cyber safety educator and author. And yes, the tweeting galassies, great set of resources. We'll take a short break. Don't go away. you.